Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of my favorite songs, I won't just say of, of, of older music, just, just one of my favorite songs is entitled, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that particular statement has uh, continued through the Word of God. It was King David, our psalmist, who uh, said in Psalms 36, he said, your steadfast love, it literally goes into the heavens, and your faithfulness to the clouds. Now, I don't know if you're like I am, but I like to take those verses and just chew on it for a while and I realized wait a minute if all these things are already coming from God and yet we're measuring from the earth back that means he's already poured out his steadfast love and he's so faithful that it has filled the earth into the heavens and the clouds that's shouting ground folks because that tells us whatever we have need of we already have an immeasurable amount of his love and he's faithful with it. It was the prophet Jeremiah who echoed the same things. He said, you know, your love never ceases and your mercies never stop. They are faithful to happen every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, when we make these expressions about God... Of, and reminding ourselves of how faithful he is. If we're not careful, we'll also put God in a box and say, God, we know that you're faithful. That means you're consistent. Well, God never changes. He's the same today as he was yesterday, and yet his methodologies change because we change. Our needs change. Our circumstances change. This is the incredible thing about God. He is so awesome and complete that nothing takes him by surprise. We need to be reminded of this in this hour. That whatever we have need of, he already has more than enough supply to meet our need. So again, as we focus in on that, we say, God, okay, I don't want to put you in a box. And so that brought me to a place of scripture that I want us to go together. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. I want you to stand with me as we read God's word together. Exodus 15, verse 22. There's already been a lot going on with this group. And this is the group that's been in bondage collectively for over 400 years. And now they have experienced not only... Uh, the miraculousness of what God did in Egypt, but they have just crossed the Red Sea and were three days into their journey. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Guess what happened? And the people grumbled against their pastor. Don't do that. Do not do that. Just a thought. 
And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, or a tree, actually. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute. Not a statue, a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to my voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where they had 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Lord, we thank you for your word. This group reminds us of somebody else, us. Let us receive your word again of the instruction that you'll give us this hour, the same as what you gave to them so long ago, and let us adhere to it. We thank you and praise you for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Three days journey. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you read these stories and you're like, just how stupid were these people? I mean, we're only three days into this journey since this incredible, oh, breathtaking event. Can you imagine? I've often thought I like to play with my own mind. And I, if I could get in a time machine and go back, this would definitely be on my bucket list of things I would want to see is the crossing of the Red Sea. I don't know if Cecil B. D. DeMell, B. DeMell, I guess was his name, that, that did the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I guess maybe I was a child the first time I saw that. And maybe that got my visual mind going of just seeing those walls of water standing there. My next oldest brother in his college years went on a trip and got to go to the studios and uh, just kind of one thing that he learned about that when they were doing that scene in that movie, the walls of water was jello. Just a footnote. <laughs> Didn't cost you any extra. But can you imagine seeing the walls of water in reality? These people had not only witnessed that, they had watched the entire largest army on the planet be destroyed in the very path that brought them deliverance. And here they are three days later, and they're already grumbling. They were grumbling before they crossed the Red Sea. But here we are, and we find them grumbling again. And I don't know if you're like I am, and you're thinking, I wouldn't do that. Or would I? Because you see, as humans, we just really don't have much of a scope. We only see the now of what I'm experiencing now. Anybody ever heard the expression, what have you done for me lately? And that's exactly what these people were experiencing. And, and, and I don't know, I mean, when you look at this passage here and where we're going to go today, you realize that God didn't just kill them right there. Many of us would think, well, if I was God, I'd kill him. I'd start all over. He didn't even... He didn't even discipline them. He responded to the cry of their pastor. As Moses cried out to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. 
to give again just the full impact of that, the best that we can today, there was at least one and a half million people, maybe upward to three million people. How many of you are ready to sign up for that responsibility? And can you imagine the volume, the decibels of complaint that the single leader was hearing? And as he cries out to the Lord, I don't know what to do, God. And so he inspires the leader, go cut that tree out of there and throw it in the water. Again, the obedience of this leader is, is, is amazing. Because, again, I've tried to put myself in the story. we got bitter water, and you want me to cut a tree down? I can't put the two and two together here. And yet he was faithful to do it, and the water became sweet. Again, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a spoiler alert jumping out at us here, a reality check. These people were needy, and so are we. The sooner we get to that reality, the better off we are. For all of us that are so independent in our thinking, that are educated or skilled, experienced, whatever, and maybe a combination of those things, if we're not careful, we will get to where we depend on ourselves so easily and so readily, so often, that we overlook the fact that we're still, in the eyes of God, just sheep, and we're needy. These people were needy. What was, what was happening? That's why God did not blast them right then. The reality is we need water every day. And here they were three days into this journey. It seemed like an eternity. We need water. And the insult to injury is the water we get to, we can't drink. It's bitter. So what? We were just delivered. This is what's happening now. Anybody with me today? I'm not getting any amens. Those of you streaming, would you amen me? Thank you. <laughs> this reality check of rea uh, it just speaks to us. And God speaks to them then. They're early on in this journey. And he says, I'm going to give you a statute. I'm going to give you a rule. If. There's that big word, two letters. If. If you will listen to my voice. If you will Know me by my word and adhere to it. Honor it. I will do things for you that I won't do for anybody else because you're mine. You're in relationship with me. We're in covenant together. And again, as soon as they hear these words, the diseases that I allowed the Egyptians to receive, I won't let them come to you. Well, you see... They weren't that many days removed from them plagues. And we know how gruesome it was. Kind of sounds familiar now, doesn't it, about maybe a thing called a pandemic? And the reality of what we're experiencing and seeing, and, and we're like, I need a break from this. I need a vacation. I don't want to hear another report of sickness. It starts weighing in on you. And to hear that there is a way out, there's a way for this faithful God to speak to us. And then God does something for them, and all of us can also relate to this. After this particular water that had been bitter become sweet, he didn't keep them there. They were able to travel on, and guess what they found out? They found, they found Disneyland. 
12 springs and 70 palm trees. We have found an oasis in this wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but again, I'm putting myself in that story. This is good. This is the promised land. No, you're still in the wilderness. I like how one songwriter put it, a foretaste of glory divine. It's just a taste. But I don't know about you, if I'd experienced all that I experienced, I'd say, yeah, I'm good. Just keep me right here. But they hadn't yet received what God had in store for them. Here they are, and they're just human beings. That's what we have to read into the story. And remember, it's one thing to look at them and say, I can't believe how foolish these people were, and yet they were just people. And here's what we got to remember as well. Not only are we needy, but God knows that we're needy. i got about three amens on that. No, that's huge. We don't have a God that when we cry out to him says, huh, what, or get over yourself. He knows what we have need of. The scriptures implore us, cast your care to him. Now, I don't know. You know, I'm a man. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. I'm a bus driver. And I'm used to people coming to me with needs. A lot of times I do real good with it. And other times I'm like, if I hear one more thing. (laughs) Is anybody else with me? In your roles? Do you know we have a God that never does that? Cast your care to me. See how huge that is? Great is your faithfulness. I need mercy today. You're you're in good shape then because I already baked some up. They're ready for this day. I just need some loving on. You know what? My love is steadfast and it reaches the heavens. It filled the earth so much in its volume it's already gone back in the place it came from. Oh, my. This place of Marah, it's known as a place of bitterness But they don't stop there. They continue to journey. And it reminds us of us as well in our journeys. Yeah, we've enjoyed a time of camp meeting, had the palm trees and had the springs there. And we're moving on. And they move into another part of the wilderness called Elam. And then they move on into, and get this, it's right there in the Bible. They move into the wilderness of sin. (laughs) Anybody ever been to the wilderness of sin? And they keep moving on, and you'll find in Exodus chapter 17, they come yet to another place called Rephidim. And it is there, guess what they find? What they've already experienced. We we now are in another place with no water. And you would think, okay, they've just experienced just days earlier where God supplied fresh, sweet water instead of bitter water. You know, if God just did that, he'll do it again. But you know what this people did? They complained and they grumbled. Pastor, we don't have any water. Moses, where's the water? You don't even hear an echo of, well, you know, uh, can you talk to God again for us because he just supplied? No, it's just we're in the now again. Spoiler alert, we're needy. 
There it is again. As they come to this place, oh my, there's a statement that leaps from the pages here. And this, this tells you where their mind was and their heart was. When they simply said, Moses, is the Lord among us or not? In 2021, are we not there again? Is the Lord among us or not? We're sick of this pandemic. We're sick of its effects. People are on edge. The political upheavals, the deaths, the sicknesses, the pain, the fear. Is the Lord among us or not? This is the cry from the people. I mean, okay, maybe, maybe he was with us at one time, but is he with us now? You ever been there? Come on, let's get honest with this. You know, you can go on forever just feeling great, but all of a sudden things just fall and then they implode. And it's like, where is God? Is he, did he forget me? Did I forget him? Did, did, I, did I lose him? Did I drop him out of my pocket? Where is God? Is he among us or not? All they knew is there was no water there. And so there's obviously this huge rock right there as they're looking at it. And again, Moses. And this time you see that he's reacted just a little different than just a few days earlier. He said, people, why are you complaining to me? And actually what he was doing, put it back in the front, you're complaining against God. But again, Moses goes to God, and God gives him instructions about what to do with that rock. We've all heard the expression, you ever been between the proverbial rock and the hard place? Well, this people was between the hard place and the rock. And it's significant to know the difference. Because, yes, they were dealing with hard times and dealing with struggles. And God speaks to Moses, said, that staff that you got in your hand... That one that you used to tap that Red Sea and it opened up and made a highway through what was once a seabed. Take that same staff and tap that rock and water come gushing out. I've got a video that I'd love to share with you again. We shared it on a Sunday night a couple years ago. And it just helps with the visual. But for those of you who don't get the privilege of watching the video... We know where this rock was. And you think, well, you know, tapping a rock, you know, how big was that rock? But remember, there's at least a million and a half people, maybe three million people. How much water does it take to meet their need? And you got cattle, you got livestock. How much water is it going to take? When Moses tapped this rock, it wasn't some little boulder, it was a mountain in itself, a small mountain. And it just opened up, and the geyser out of it literally made a lake immediately. Wow. If God could do that for them, can he not do that for us? Is our Lord among us or not? Is he faithful or not? And yet we realize here this people are experiencing problem after problem. So God, why don't you just fix it one time and we're good? Haven't we all been there? God, I think I've learned my lesson. 
There's a lot of things that go into the chemistry of it, I'm sure, from God's perspective. But the reality is life happens. And in it, we're still needy. And what met our need yesterday may have some residual into the next day. But the reality is the next day, as Jesus would share later on, has its own woes and cares that have to be dealt with. The secret is learning how faithful God is. And even in the times of dryness and in wilderness and in waters that are bitter and not knowing where we're going to be able to get the next spring water, to know that God is faithful even though we don't see his hand right now or hear his voice or we just don't know when he's going to show up next time. Again, he speaks to these people. This place was called Massah and Meribah. In other words, it no... The first place, Marah was a place of bitterness. This is a place of testing and contending. The word contending is also grumbling. God is testing the people here. He, the first time, he responds immediately. But here they are just a few days later, and already I'm testing you. And this is where God begins to open up the heavens and give them bread every day called manna. God is meeting their needs. It's not the way he used to do it, but he's meeting their needs. But what we keep hearing from the people is, Moses, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? That could have been the most stinging of words ever. Do you not remember what God did for us? And you're wanting to go back to Egypt? Well, back there, we had it so good. We had all the bread we could eat, and we had flesh pots. Yeah? So God says, watch this. Tonight for supper, you're going to have quail. God would continue to meet their needs. And supply their needs. This rock, being between a rock, uh, excuse me, a hard place and a rock, should speak to us today. Because that rock is still there. And his name is Jesus. He's the rock of our salvation. You see, we go to John chapter 4 and we find out that it is there that a woman met him in a place called Samaria at a well. And he said, yeah, you know about this water, but the water I have to offer you, you'll never thirst again. John chapter 6, just two chapters over, reminds us again, Jesus said of himself, I'm the bread of life. What those people were experiencing way back then, he's still offering today. Matter of fact, Paul comes along later, you'll find in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. When he says, you know what, I, I got a good audience here and I need to remind you about a little history. Our forefathers, they grumbled and grumbled and grumbled and they perished because they contended with God. They did not accept and just remain obedient to his voice. We need to hear in 2021 that God is still faithful and the rock is still in the proper place to supply whatever need we have. That does not mean that God doesn't change how he meets our needs. But he is the same today as he was 
yesterday. We need to talk to ourselves. Sometimes you need to inspire yourself. The Bible tells us to do that in Jude. Lift up yourself, edify yourself, build up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How many Pentecostals have we got in the house? How many have we got streaming right now? Again, all of these things working for us to remind us, yeah, we're in a pandemic, and yes, we're facing things we've never faced in our lifetime, and we don't know what tomorrow holds, and we've all already made our statements. I made a New Year's resolution. 2020's gone, and 2021's here, and everything's going to be wonderful this year. How's that working for you so far? We find out how limited we really are. Man, we can boast some stuff. We can talk some trash and some smack, can't we? I'm never going to get sick. Okay. Oh, I'm never going. I'm never going to do without. Okay. Until you are, and you are facing things. It brings us to this place that grumbling now had become their nature. There's one more passage you'll find in Numbers chapter 20. And the name of it as well is Meribah. Again. It wasn't necessarily the same region. They had continued to travel in the wilderness. But here's what's interesting to note. By the time you get to Numbers 20, 38 years have lapsed. And they come to Meribah, and what does the Bible say? And there was, you got it, no water. How many times had this group of people come to a new place in their journey where there was no water? How many times have you found yourself in another week and realized that which God supplied last week has diminished to nothing, and I need a fresh supply? In my journey, I'm once again faced with things I've been faced with in the past. The secret is in my learning my lesson and depending on my God and speaking to him, Lord, you have been so faithful. You've supplied all the way through. I know that you're willing and able to meet my need. You're exceedingly and abundantly above that which I ask of you or even think of asking of you. I want that to be my second nature, Lord, to where when I'm faced with adversity, I don't just go into grumbling. But if my nature is always to grumble, I'm setting myself up for failure. Oh, we're human. Here's what I've learned about our God. It's okay to ask him anything, but grumbling's a different situation. The Bible was filled with people praying. I'm, matter of fact, when I was a teenager, I heard a doctrine trying to be preached that you should never pray over something the second time. It showed a lack of faith on your part. <laughs> that didn't work. My Lord was in a garden called Gethsemane. And he prayed. And then the Bible tells us, and he prayed again. And then he prayed again these same words. Don't you love the Bible? There are times we have to ask again and again. But you see, the difference is I'm asking you 
my source, my rock. I'm limited. My scope is limited. my, My thinking is finite, but I know you, and I know that you're faithful, and I know that you're able. And yes, it is well with my soul. As long as I'm with you, I'm okay. I may suffer. I may be injured. I may be sick. I may be abandoned. I may be shipwrecked. I may be beaten. Oh, that was Paul, wasn't it? But you get it. Again, these these people over and over, the reality checks. You see, what we learn is life is cyclical. You ever face something that you've already faced previously? I loved what I found out. You know I love a dictionary. And I like I don't want to assume I know the interpretation of every single word. And when we come to a place where we feel like we've already been there before, many of us use a French word, don't we? It's deja vu. Deja vu has more than one meaning, and I'm so glad I looked it up. Because the first is simply, it's an illusion that you have been somewhere previously or experienced it. But I loved what it came and said next. And also, it is a disagreeable familiarity or sameness. Wow. That's what happens to us. I've been here, got the t-shirt. No, you were at a place similar. Wow. Somebody say, amen, pastor, you're doing good right now. And it paints our thoughts and our words. You may have a t-shirt, but if you'll go back, you'll find out it's dated back then. It's not for now. But there is this disagreeable familiarity. I feel like I've been here before. And uh, what's our term today? Feelings are reality. And we find ourselves, I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. But the difference should be, no, Lord, I'm reminded of a place that was disagreeable. And this is so familiar. It's that sameness. Don't we hate sameness? Oh, sometimes we like it, but a lot of times we don't. I could pick on the ladies right here and say, when you go to your closet, do you like sameness? (laughs) Tammy, would you give me a big amen? Amen. (laughs) This is why God gives you ladies accessories. So sameness isn't really sameness. It's accessorized. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm going to Facebook right now. I know it. It's not just the ladies, is it, men? This thing of, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Is the Lord with us or not? I want to conclude with this because there's something that happens at this Meribah that we can't miss as well. 38 years difference, a place of no water, a place of contending, and grumbling. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, that rod that you've had all this time, 
put it in your hand, and go to the rock and speak to it. And so Moses has all this responsibility, and as he comes up to this place of sameness, he takes that rod and he strikes that rock. And water came forth. The method worked. But he was disobedient because God didn't tell him to strike the rock this time. He said, speak to the rock. Wow. You see, even the elitist among us can become dependent on yesterday. But great is his faithfulness today. You see, in my own little scribbles from the Brooks commentary here, I wrote, Moses had become dependent upon the rod instead of God. God, this is the way you always worked in the past. And in 2021, is God doing what he's always done in the same way? Or can we just need to put, but God is still the same. Would you stand with me today?